you're listening to the Knowing Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Linnell Peters, and it's an honor to walk alongside you in motherhood, whether the journey is just beginning or you're right in the thick of it. I believe that your worth as a mother is not based on your performance and that your greatest strength is the love that you have for your children, whether they're in your arms or only in your heart. My prayer is that this little corner of the podcast world will leave you feeling more equipped, more hopeful, and less alone than when you arrived. Hey friends, welcome to the first official weekly episode of Knowing Motherhood. Wednesday is the day. If you click on the subscribe button, you'll get a notification each week that there's a new episode for you to listen to. It was really quite amazing, and I'll be honest, a little crazy to send out the first four episodes of Knowing Motherhood for our launch week. Even though the last two were a few days late from start to finish, we kept it in about a one-week period, and we almost reached 800 downloads. I'm still kind of reeling over that. What a blessing. Thank you so much for sharing, listening, and leaving a review. Each time you do, you're helping other women find our episodes, and I can't tell you how grateful I am for your support. So let's talk about today's episode. More than three, maybe four years ago, I started following an artist, writer, speaker, and mother of six boys on Instagram, and I quickly found my heart being so challenged and encouraged each time I read one of her posts. This artist's beautiful floral watercolor paintings always brought beauty to my day, and so I ordered her book, Grace Laced, and a couple of copies as gifts as well, and I've been a fan of her work and ministry ever since. My guest today is the lovely and very gifted Ruth Jo Simons. She is a best-selling author, entrepreneur, and speaker, and her new book, Beholding and Becoming, was just released last week. It was really special to get to have this conversation with Ruth. She shares about her own motherhood experiences and applies so much biblical wisdom to our topic of true rest. We discuss what real soul-quenching rest looks like versus tangible earthly rest and how this affects our hearts as mothers and ultimately women. One of my favorite moments in our conversation is when Ruth reminds us that true rest is soul rest. Here is our conversation. Hi, Ruth. Thanks so much for having me, Linnell. It's good to be here. Yeah, I am so, I'm so excited about our conversation today. We're talking about rest and motherhood and about your beautiful new book. And I think that, yeah, I'm just praying that this is going to be a conversation that really um, touches the hearts of a lot of women who are seeking to place their gaze in the right direction and keep their eyes focused on the right things um, and I, I just feel like it would be wonderful to start our conversation hearing a little bit about your own motherhood story yeah, Do you sure. sharing a little bit about that and maybe a little bit about yourself sure. first and then yeah yeah my name is Ruth Joe Simons and I am um, the founder of a website called Gracelaced, um, gracelaced.com. So I am a small business owner, a brand builder, and an author and an artist of my first book, Grace Laced, Discovery Timeless Truth Through Seasons of the Heart, came out in 2017. And my new book, Beholding and Becoming, The Art of Everyday Worship, um, comes out September 10th. And um, 
I am married to my husband Troy and we've been married for 21 years and we have six boys and so uh, motherhood has been quite quite the exciting and unexpected journey in my life. Um, my oldest is 17 and he begins college at this very week and uh, my youngest is six. We are currently full-time homeschoolers and uh, my husband is full-time with a business now after having two decades of, um, in previous seasons, as a pastor, he was a preaching pastor, a church planter, as well as a headmaster of a classical Christian school we co-founded with others. And um, in this season, we are full-time with the ministry and business of Grace Laced, and um, he is our primary headmaster and educator of the boys at home. And so we get to do a lot of things together, but, um, you know, most, most of the time when I share my story, most folks um, go, wow, you know, you're a brave woman, you have six boys. And, and I would just say that, you know, I, I say in my Instagram profile, if you follow me, you'll see that I say I'm an unlikely mom to six man cubs because mm. um, I think really it's a testimony to the fact that it's not because um, I'm so good at it or because I'm such a good boy mom. In fact, in I, for many years, thought, Lord, why would you possibly give me six boys? I am wired so much more girly. I don't really mm -hmm. enjoy anything that boys do. I have one brother, no sisters. I've always wanted girls in the home, and, um, and my husband wanted girls as well. And so we kind of thought, for sure, we're going to end up with at least one girl in the mix. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and we didn't. And, you know, the second most um, popular question people ask me is, well, so were you just trying for a girl? And the answer is absolutely not. It wasn't just because we were bored and kind of, you know, trying for girls. <laughs> I don't know who would ever do that, but I do think no. that we genuinely in our hearts thought, oh my goodness, this is a greater blessing than we ever could have imagined. And so the mm -hmm. unlikeliness of having six kids, six boys became an opportunity for God to show his faithfulness. And so in that we said, well, why not? Let's let's go ahead and grow this family. And did we hope that maybe we would know the experience of having a girl for sure? But um, as it became more and more evident that the Lord was really just setting our family up to be a uniquely boy um, boy family, we just felt really grateful. And I I truly can't imagine it any other way. But um, right off the bat, I just want to say to any listener out there, if you feel ill-equipped for what you think God's put in your, in your path or the story that God's written for you, I'm one of those people that can say, I'm with you, sister. I absolutely get that, the feeling of like, did you pick the wrong girl here? Because I don't know if I'm supposed to be having six boys here. But um, God's callings are surely his enablings, and I've seen that over and over again in my life. So, um, so yeah, we were we had a very busy decade of um, church planting, school founding, and having six boys in the home. And so that um, that period of time in my life was some of the of greatest growth, a lot of dying to self, and a lot of learning um, what it is to. Um, walk in everyday faithfulness and press into a calling that I may or may not understand at the time. And mm. so, so yeah, that's a bit of a, a bit of my journey. I was just thinking as you were talking about being a mom to six boys that you've got six potential daughter-in-laws to look for. Absolutely. To. Right. Right. <laughs> that's kind of exciting. It is. Oh, that's so great. So what, what would you say, um, 
the transition into motherhood was like for you? We've got a lot, like a lot of our listeners are going to be young moms Mm -hmm. um, or are young moms and they, um, you know, probably have new babies and they may just be moving into motherhood for the first time. You know, what was that transition like for you going into motherhood? Because it's very different for for most women. So it is. It can just vary so much, yeah. Well, and I think that the thing is, for me, and I hope that as I describe this, um, maybe the listener on the other side here, maybe you'll be nodding your head and yes and understanding this. But I think sometimes we get so used to going through college and career that we get into this mindset of, I have a project, I have a task, and I'm going to conquer. I'm going to find out everything there is to know about nailing this test or taking this class and, and getting a straight A or um, or, you know, getting that job and we and we try to conquer it by doing by hustling more and doing the best job mm-hmm. we can. And sometimes for those of us who are like that, we come into motherhood and we kind of think, well, I can nail this. I'll just read all the books and um, prepare really well, pack my bags for the hospital. I mean, we you'd laugh at all the, <laughs> the things that I took to the hospital that were unnecessary that first time. But, you know, we do that because we're overprepared and we want to do a really good job. Well, pretty much um, right after having my first and coming home. And I did not have a real dramatic, difficult, I mean, it was a difficult childbirth, just like any um, first time um, childbirth experience. But it wasn't that I came home with really um, difficult postpartum or difficult um, recovery. But right away, I could tell that as a person, in my heart, I was thinking about it, not that this is a human being that I get to be a part of. Um, I mean, I think about it like that now, but at the time Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, why won't this baby just do what I need it to do and make my life easier? Mm -hmm. And I just, because I thought of my first child almost like an accessory to making me happy. Like I get to dress Mm -hmm. this baby. This baby's going to, um, you know, kind of bring me into a new season of life. And I want to enjoy motherhood for me. And what I really discovered right away is that um, what is so startlingly difficult about motherhood is that we suddenly realize and put on, it puts on display everything that is weak in us, everything that is um, selfish in us, everything that is really all about looking to ourselves and wanting comfort and wanting our own kingdom. Um, right? Like suddenly we start mm-hmm. noticing the ways in which we compare and we feel nervous if somebody else does it one way and we don't do it that way and we start questioning or we start worrying if our child is not developing like somebody else's. And before you know it, you just realize some of those things that you can control real well when it's just you and you think you're going to manage your reputation, manage your attitude. When you have a screaming, crying baby that you can't diagnose on yourself, yourself you can't figure out why he's crying. And it's your first time mama and you're probably struggling a little bit with breastfeeding or bottle feeding and struggling with sleeplessness. All those things suddenly bring into full display what it is Mm -hmm. that, what comforts that you counted on and took took for granted, right? Maybe you were really used to having your own time at the gym Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. going out with your friends whenever you wanted to. Or maybe you felt really confident about your body and you thought, well, I still look good in those jeans and now... You can't think about even possibly getting back into those genes. And so whatever it is, um, I think 
the reason why I started the hashtag motherhood is sanctifying is because I really recognized that motherhood wasn't something to just survive. It was the very opportunity in which God would use the, the things that I found so challenging and so out of the ordinary and the things that aren't very, not out of the ordinary as in like, they're not ordinary things, but like things that I don't feel good at and things that mm -hmm. um, kind of pull me out of what I feel like I'm going to win at. Those were the, the areas that the Lord was using to change me, grow me, refine me. And so we think that we're our moms because we're going to go and fix or change or produce great kids, right? And um, when really right. God's in the business of changing and forming and shaping us as moms. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. Can you just um, explain a little bit about what the word sanctifying means when you say motherhood is sanctifying, mm -hmm. just for those listening that maybe aren't, yeah, you know, necessarily familiar with that word. Yeah. You did, you did just explain it a little no, bit. No, I could definitely yeah. do so. Um, yeah. It sounds like a big theological word and it can mm -hmm. be, and there's the depth of which I could never go into fully here, but let's do this the, the easy way. When we are saved, when we say, you know what? I surrender. The blood of Christ is my only hope. Jesus paying the debt I owe on the cross for my sin and welcoming me into the family of God on his account, that is grace and that is justification. That means everything that you've ever done wrong, you are guilty of not loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and strength. That, that not being done well and perfectly is not held against you. Because, mm. because of Jesus, we are justified. We are made right instantly. But you and I know mm -hmm. that even if we're made right instantly, instantly welcomed into the family of God, instantly forgiven, yes, we mm -hmm. feel, wow, I have a new life. I instantly have intimacy with God. I can now go to him and not, not be condemned any longer. Something am yes. amazing, a miraculous thing happens in our hearts and our minds and our spirits because the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. Yes, but are you immediately changed? Do you suddenly have no issue with your anger? Do you suddenly have all patience with your children? Do you suddenly see your husband with the right attitude and forgiving and loving and offering him grace mm -hmm. just as he offers you grace? No, no, because um, mm -hmm. sanctification is the process by which God returns us back to the original intended purpose that we have as image bearers. So we were created mm -hmm. to bring him glory, to be image bearers that reflect him. And because of sin, we were, we were unable to. Sin kept us from being able to even be intimate and close to him. Right. But sanctification is that process by which because of Christ, because we are made right and welcomed and um, made one with Jesus, that we, for from now until we see him face to face, we are brought into his likeness day by day. And he uses everything, everything in our daily lives to cause us to um, be shaped and formed, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. As we read in Romans that ultimately we are being conformed to his image. So what was broken before is made whole again. And that sanctification is to be brought into the wholeness that we were intended for all along. Oh, I'm so thankful for that truth. It's it's um, it's so encouraging just to hear it explained like that again. It's I think it's so refreshing and it's so needed to be reminded that that is the work that God is doing in us. So 
when we talk about motherhood and we talk about, um, you know, this, this sanctifying process that the Lord is taking us through um, when we've surrendered our life to him, it's so easy in those early, those early days of motherhood to feel so discouraged um, by what we didn't expect, like you were saying. Right. And um, I think it's really um, sometimes hard to see beyond that, that sleep-deprived state mm-hmm. of mind, right, mm-hmm. that mothers yes. find themselves in. And it's hard to apply some of these things because it just feels overwhelming already what you're right. trying to right. do um, in motherhood. And it doesn't matter if you have your first baby or if you're on to number four or <laughs> number six, mm-hmm. right? There's, it's a really busy, busy time in life. And so we're talking about rest today. And um, I looked up in uh, the dictionary, or actually did a Google search yesterday, just to see what rest, how rest is defined. And it, you know, it's defined as a verb and as a noun. And as a verb, it says, to cease work or movement in order to relax, refresh oneself or recover strength. So relax, refresh, recover. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love that. I thought that was so, so good. But this is a really difficult thing for mothers to do. And I think sometimes our idea of what rest really is, is compromised by what the world says it is. Absolutely. Um, right. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about rest and how God defines it um, you know, for our souls, and then mm-hmm. also just practical, what practical rest looks like for mothers right. in early motherhood. Right. Yeah. I think it's really easy for us to look at rest purely on a superficial level. We think, mm-hmm. um, especially in our culture, we think rest means you work your whole life and then you retire and you do nothing, right? Or you have a holiday, a vacation, and therefore you check out and you don't answer email. So that's rest. And that is, it's not that that's not, but think about what happens when you are in a season where you can't afford a vacation to Mexico or you right, yeah. are caring for a, a, a child who has medical needs and you can't go away. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of things that if you are relying on a physical um, relaxation, comfortable getaway as rest, um, you financially, time-wise, or maybe even emotionally can't afford to do that at certain seasons of your life. And so where does rest truly come from if that's not it? Because yeah, it would be super um, convenient if all of us could sign up for a spa day once a week, right? That would feel very restful. By I mean, I would not turn right. one down, girl. I would not turn one down. I would absolutely take <laughs> a spa day, right? I would love a day where yeah. somebody takes my children and I just sit quietly and drink my, sip my latte and then go get a massage afterwards. And you know what? Mm. I hope all of you moms out there schedule one of those kinds of days sometime in the next few years, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's no mm-hmm. shame in taking a spa day. But here's the thing that I want to say to all my sisters out there, whether you're a young mom or you're a seasoned mom, true rest is soul rest. We were made for the kind of rest that only God can give. And that's why mm-hmm. Augustine would say, you know, my, we will, we will be restless until we find our rest in him. And that's a quick mm-hmm. paraphrase of his more famous quote there. But ultimately, when you look at what God did with his people, all the way from the beginning of the story, when we look in the Old Testament, God 
chose to teach on Sabbath. He chose to teach this idea of rest. And that was always paired with this idea, not just simply don't work, don't work, let everything go, drop it. It's not just about that. It's really for them to turn their attention to, oh my goodness, the real provision doesn't come from my hands. The real provision comes from God's. And so Sabbath and rest has always been connected to an acknowledgement that everything comes from him, that he holds all things together, that he provides all things, even in as the, the children of Israel walk through the desert and manna falls from the sky, right? You know, mm, even yeah. in that, it's gather a manna so that you can take a day off and remember that I provided even for that. I even provided day by day, mm-hmm. there's enough manna for just this meal. And then when it's time for Sabbath, I've provided enough for you to take a day of rest. And so um, did God need to rest? Did God need to take a day of rest after creation? Ultimately, he's God. He can do whatever he wants, but he did it for right. us. He did it to show us mm-hmm. that that we are meant to um to do, to work, but we're also meant to, um, step back and say, this is not all a product of my own work and I must rest and do and follow his, his lead, follow his example of rest. And so I think rest is a very, um, it's a, it's a buzzword right now, even in secularism, because I think everybody's fascinated with Mm -hmm. the idea of oh my goodness, we are working ourselves silly because of the internet. There are no real office hours anymore. Everybody's working all the time, especially for those of us working online. Is there an end? Because basically you can be on social media 24-7 and never stop working, right? And so, so as moms, I think we need to recognize that if you're looking to rest, and I'm, I'm speaking to my peers, I'm speaking to myself here, um, ladies, I am certainly not preaching at you as much as I'm preaching to myself that um, if we're looking to rest as an outward, like we're waiting for that vacation, we're waiting for the day out, we're waiting for a helper to come over, we're waiting for the babysitter or the mm-hmm. gift card to the our favorite shopping center. If we're waiting for that as rest, then we've missed the rest he's offered us. So true mm-hmm. rest happens when we when we first rest in what he's provided for our eternal, our soul rest, um, all the restlessness we ultimately have at the end of the day has nothing really to do with schedule or even season of life and a circumstance. It ultimately has to do with Mm -hmm. whether or not you're striving hard to maintain your life right now, or you're surrendering Mm -hmm. your life for life eternal. So you're either striving constantly Mm -hmm. to maintain and make sure that you've got comfort in this life or you're surrendering it all for the life to come. And that's Mm. what the blood of Christ bought for us was the rest of knowing that we can live and surrender all for life eternal. That abundant life is now until eternity when we're with him. That you don't have to wait for when the kid sleeps through the night or when um, there's no more allergy issues or when the olders are at school and doing their own homework, right? You don't have to wait for that. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. it doesn't get easier because I'll just testify right now with my hand lifted high that as your kids get older and they're doing their own laundry and they're making dinner and they're cleaning up, yes, it's it's great. You You can actually go on a walk with your spouse and talk and yes, that is restful. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying to the young mama who has a newborn, 
um, start with the kind of rest that Jesus offered to a people who were enslaved, right? Ultimately, they were enslaved to sin. That was the rest that he offered. He wasn't saying everything's going to change in an instant. He's saying, with me spiritually, with your heart changed, you will know rest like you never knew before, even if your circumstance doesn't immediately change. Mm. So why do you why do you think that so many mothers struggle with prioritizing them their own health, their physical, their mental, emotional needs? Um, you know, one of the things that I feel like I hear a lot of is uh, the the oh, I, I'm eating my child's crust again for breakfast today <laughs> and I'm, right? And I haven't washed my hair in six days and all this. And I I, I want to be careful in how I say this, but it feels like we're, there's an over-glorification of the martyr mommy. And I don't know if anybody else has coined that phrase. It's just what I've referred to it as. But, you know, I don't know if that makes sense. No, I understand, yeah. Well, I would I would say that, the, the shortest answer for this is ultimately that it's still an issue of the overflow of the heart. It's still okay. ultimately about that because if there's two different directions you can go, you are either um, letting it all go and saying, hey, I, I, I don't have time to take care of myself. I'm completely overwhelmed. Maybe because of guilt, maybe because you're fearful, right? Maybe you're fearful that if you don't mm -hmm. give every scrap of time to your child, they won't turn out right. And so you're just say, sac right. saying, yeah. sacrifice everything. I'm going to sacrifice every last thing, including a shower today, so that I will be there for my child, rocking that child. And maybe you have made an idol of motherhood. Maybe you've made an idol yes. of that child. Yes. Maybe you've made an idol of maybe you're a helicopter mom, fearful that if you even step aside and go and um, curl your hair for a second, that child will um, like break your bone or hurt, you know. So, so think about your motivation, right? Mo what's your motivation? So first of all, it could be that. It could be born out of guilt or fear or wanting to overly control the situation. So you think, well, I'm gonna do a good job. I'm gonna nail this thing you know, this motherhood thing by sacrificing everything else and I'll be a martyr there. The other side of it is mm. the reality is so many times we really don't know how to balance it all. Like, right, we really yeah. struggle with, I mean, I'll be honest, I am 43 now, I'm turning 44 in a month and honestly, I finally feel like I better understand how to prioritize and get that shower in because I'll feel better later and how to say, I'm sorry, yeah. you're going to have to go read quietly while I go and take care of these things that mm -hmm. I won't feel guilty about that anymore. But that's a process mm -hmm. and there is grace for yes. that. And that not everybody who shows up at the grocery store wearing their dirty sweats is either being lazy or a martyr. Sometimes it just means she's just trying to do the best she can. And Absolutely. so to that listener out there that's really like, I don't know. I used to feel like I knew my name and I actually put on makeup and I smelled nice. Just know that, <laughs> you know, don't give up. Just make small, minor adjustments. Don't give up. It's not all or nothing. And I don't know who out there is like I am, but sometimes I'm an all or nothing girl. I'm like, I either go to a job and get pay, paid and get a paycheck and wear nice clothes or forget it. I'm just going to wear my jammies all day and I'm going to do nothing and, and just <laughs> basically feel good about, you know, watching Daniel Tiger today. You know, it doesn't have to be yeah. all or nothing. Make small adjustments, meaning yeah. as that child sleeps, 
three or four hours at a time, make adjustments. How, what is the best way for you to get back to sleep? What is the best way for you tomorrow to sneak that, sneak that um, shower in and go for a walk? What do you need to do to make small adjustments? Don't make them all in one time. You don't need to go run a marathon, but maybe make a small adjustment so that mm -hmm. you feel like a human, like a living human being by three o'clock in the afternoon. Yes. And um, you can open the front door and a neighbor can come and say hello and you can welcome them in. Part of why I get dressed every day is not because um, I'm going anywhere. It's because I want to be ready to be more hospitable to even the mailman that comes to the door. Like I want to feel like I am showing up for my life today. And so that's yeah. sometimes really hard when you're sleep deprived and tired and maybe even just not feeling really good at the the job of motherhood in that season. And so make small adjustments, yeah. give yourself a lot of grace and say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to start again. Start, start with small things. Like maybe it means putting the kids to bed a little bit earlier so that you have a conversation, a date night on the couch with your spouse, right? Those are small adjustments to kind of bring the, bring the human beingness back to your days as a young mom. Yes. Yes. And you're making me think about this subject of mom guilt because we talk about it so much right now. I think it's over talked about and um, I've heard some really good conversations recently um, on how sometimes mom guilt is a good thing. Um, sometimes it reminds us, right? And as a Christian, I mean, we believe that the Holy Spirit sure. is leading and guiding us that process of sanctification that we're talking about. Sure. Um, I, I really feel that sometimes guilt is important for us. We sure. need to make changes sometimes. But then there's that mom guilt. And I can say for myself, I've struggled with this hugely. Um, it, that guilt that creeps up that says, like what you were talking about, where you worry that if you don't prioritize your children enough, they might feel unloved mm -hmm. and it actually might impact their whole, the whole course of their life. I mean, that's the way my brain mm -hmm. has thought about it at times, you know, but I mean, in terms of mom guilt, there's, I think we can get into a pattern and an unhealthy cycle of responding to anything that we try to do for ourselves that we know is good and healthy and worthwhile right. it i think that we can get into a really bad habit of actually letting that guilt come in mm -hmm. and sitting there instead of saying no this is important right. so how can right. we retrain our thinking as moms to recognize when what we're doing you know like just going for that shower mm -hmm. that this <laughs> is this is more important than maybe we're even acknowledging it is mm -hmm. this is this is important time and it's important for our kids also to see us doing this do you have any thoughts on that you know, I think it boils down to testing our motives again and again and ultimately saying, you know, am I driven by fear or am I driven by joy? Am I driven by stewardship? Like, hey, I've got mm. this time. How am I going to steward this well? Or am I driven by if I don't, it's all going to be messed up or I'll be so embarrassed? Because really, not showering, going to the grocery store is absolutely necessary sometimes. So there's mm -hmm. no there's no guilt one way or the other, but all of us know how we function best. And when we mm -hmm. ignore that and when we, you know, ignore so for example, for me, I really function better when I work from home, when we homeschool from home, when we do all these things from home. It works it's so much better for me if at the start of the day the whole family just takes 10, 15 minutes to pick up around the house and get it looking a little more tidy. 
It's just 10 minutes. Mm. But the reason why we do that is because I know I'll function so much better. I know that I have employees coming over. I know that I have meetings all day long. Sometimes I need to have somebody show up and, and pick something up. Sometimes I need to sit on the couch and talk to somebody. And so rather than put it off and feel guilty for asking everybody to pitch in and clean up, we just say, hey, I know that this will be a blessing to, you know, my husband will say, this will be a blessing to mama. And I'll say, thank you guys so much. Let's do this together. 10, 15 minutes. And there's no guilt there. We're just blessing one another in doing this. And so I think it just changes the motives. If so, would it be an appropriate thing to ask if I'm yelling and going through the house going, I can't live like this. I need my pillows fluffed. Mm. Well, then suddenly mm. that changes the motive, right? That changes my goal and my heart for it. And so mm. I think that that's just one of those things where we have to be honest because I can't give you any, none of us can tell somebody else what things to prioritize, how many days a week you should be going to the gym without feeling guilty, whether or not you should be spending right. time at the nail salon every week and do that for yourself. I can't give you that. I can't tell you how much babysitting you should or shouldn't get and how much alone time you should or should not prioritize. Mm -hmm. That's not for me to tell you because it also looks different season to season, marriage by marriage. Um, there's going to be different things that are required of us in different seasons of our marriage and ministry. And, um, even in our kids' lives. And so it really is about whether or not you want to live for yourself and whether this choice you're making right now is so that you feel like you're, you're more central, you're more important, or if it's your decision right now is making you better um, at, I'm not saying it well, but I guess whether it's causing you to be able to serve better or serve yourself better. Mm. I guess that's basically mm. the best way to put yeah. it. Because if we're yeah. gonna just serve ourselves better, then maybe that guilt is a good thing to pay attention to. Because I can yes, I can yes. say that if I'm gonna surf Facebook and wander around and ignore my kids for the next hour or two, and I feel a little guilty about it, that's probably a good thing. Because I'm really just serving mm. myself, and I just wanna numb my brain, and I just wanna you know scroll through Instagram and not pay attention to anybody else. But if I'm doing right. work on line and I know that it's work and I'm going to get off as soon as I'm finished and I talk to my kids and say, hey, hold up on that question for a minute. Let me finish what I'm doing on Facebook and then I'll, I'll be able to serve them better because I got this job, this task out of the way. Then that's serving mm -hmm. somebody else. That's not just serving me, right? Do so you right. see how it's the same action? I'm on Facebook, but I, it's different purposes and, and um, yes. assessing it differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. So your new book, Beholding and Becoming, is releasing really soon, um, and it'll be newly released at the time that this episode airs. Can you share just a little bit about what Beholding and Becoming means to you, and um, also just what inspired the content? And then thirdly, what's your prayer? What is your prayer for those who read it? Yeah, so, you know, my first book, Grace Lace, Discovering Timeless Truths Through Seasons of the Heart, came out in 2017. And in that book, I dealt with um, four seasons of the heart. So relating ways in which our growth changes season by season and what we have to cling to are the truths of who God is, what he says about our identity in him, how we respond to him, and then ultimately what we remember as we grow tired and um, and in running the race, right? But um, years, mm -hmm. you know, after that book came out, I thought, well, here's the thing. 
those are all truths that we have to preach to ourselves. Those are the truths that we have to cling to. But how do I apply it in my everyday life? Because the reality is most days are not glamorous. Most days are not all that exciting. And most of the time, we're not sitting in a sanctuary with amazing praise music and amazing praise band and a preacher that nails it and completely speaks exactly to where we are. So if mm, we're only yeah. waiting for that moment for worship, then we're going to miss all the moments every day that the Lord says, come closer, see how I'm pursuing you, see how I'm sanctifying you in the midst of putting a meal on the table, working with your kids, repeatedly doing the same thing over and over again in the, the routines of life. And there are so many things that we could say are just not all that glamorous about our day-to-day, -day, but in mm -hmm. that day-to-day -day is where God's calling us to look at Him and not our circumstance, not to be fixated on, hmm, maybe if I survive this season of my life and get through this season, I'll really grow into who I should become. No, instead, I'm calling you to pay attention to how he's shaping you right now in this current season of your life. Because as you keep your eyes on him, mm -hmm. he will shape your becoming in the everyday. So one of the, I did not make up this phrase. It's been said through the ages, but um, the book rests on the, the familiar saying, we become what we behold, meaning the more you gaze on something, that's the trajectory, that's the direction that you're going to go. If you stare at your phone yeah. all day long, I promise you will be shaped by what you're staring at. If you're oh constantly thinking about how bitter you are that something happened in your life, I promise in five years you will be formed and shaped by thinking on that bitterness day by day. And so the reality is every day we have a choice what to gaze on, what to think on, um, 2 Corinthians 3.18 is one of the key verses that really brought me to this topic. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And that being a familiar passage, it really just reminds us that um, we're being transformed every day. Every day that we look to Him, Instead of ourselves, mm -hmm. we're being transformed in Him. He's changing us from one degree to another. Little by little, we are being made into His likeness. And so it's the book is an invitation both visually as well as um, through text. It's a, an invitation to meditate on these truths, think on these truths, use it as a devotional, use it as a gift, whatever, however you want to use the book. Um, it's an invitation for you to change your gaze and see your daily life in a different way. It's so beautiful. And the paintings are gorgeous. I am excited to get my copy in the mail um, and actually get to look through the whole Thank thing. Um, how long, I'm just curious, this is kind of a side note, how long did it take you to actually create all of the art, all of the paintings that are in the book? Yeah, it it pretty much took like a year and a half, wow. a year and a half or so, because I feel like I did it twice. I wrote the whole book and then I painted the whole book. <laughs> wow. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. I'm really Thank excited you. for, for the release of this. And, um, I wanted to ask you, what does the message of beholding and becoming as you just described it mean for mothers who want to commit a time in their day to meditate on God's word or, you know, even just read a devotional, mm -hmm. but they, it's discouraging, right? How, um, not being able to have the time to, to focus and not feel at least distracted from that, that time with the Lord. 
Can you just share a little bit about how does beholding and becoming um, affect that desire and the discouragement that can come with it? Well, I think that for one thing, on a very practical level, um, you, you're probably going to be able to gaze on Christ and the message of the Word of God and the hope you find in the Word if you keep your Bible out. If you keep mm -hmm. your Bible out, if you get Beholding and Becoming and you just keep it open and you turn mm -hmm. it to a verse or turn it to a meditation for the day, if you have it out on your counter, I guarantee you'll see it more, think on it more, um, study it more. But sometimes Beholding comes in different forms. And as a as a young mom and as a busy mom, sometimes it means that you put in your headphones and you listen to an audio recording of the passage of scripture you're in and you listen to the word of God spoken to you. Sometimes it means that you listen to a good message, a good sermon preached. Um, but you can't devoid yourself of the word of God, but it doesn't always look the same in every season. Sometimes it looks mm -hmm. like getting up at 545 in the morning and saying, I am reading um, my Bible from Genesis to Revelation this year and I have a schedule and I'm getting up every morning at 545. And you know what? Praise God if you have that discipline and you're in a season that you can do that. Yes. So absolutely <laughs> yes. prioritize that. But don't don't give up if you're in a season where you can't get up at 545 or you're stuck in Leviticus and you didn't make it past that section of scripture. Well, then start again. Meditate on mm -hmm. the word of God. Open it again. Go to him again. Go, go on a walk and talk to him instead of getting on your cell phone and calling your friend. You know, right. like have... Yeah. Make yourself available to beholding him by paying attention to the ways in which you can experience him in a in a new way, even in the season of life where it's hard. Yeah, and self-discipline really plays a huge role in this. And sometimes it's hard for us to do that when we feel like we're working so hard to discipline our children. Definitely. and right and create structure for them and i always admire women like what you were just talking about they're getting up at 5:45 and making that a habitual thing that you do throughout the week at the times in my life where i've done that i've i have really seen the joy and the peace that comes from mm -hmm. making that commitment but it is really difficult it's really difficult to do and so how can we keep from feeling guilty on those days when we are not able to or for instance my own situation is often i sit down with my bible and then someone poops in their diaper <laughs> just kidding. right a diaper is spilled or a cup of water is spilled mm -hmm. and all of a sudden that time with the Lord is interrupted and it's only been two minutes and then there's this guilt that I wasn't able or maybe even frustration how can the attitude of the heart and the mind or what should the attitude of the heart and mind be for a mother in those situations yeah I think that you know um one of the best ways described to me was from you know, many, many have read, uh, my friend Jen Wilkin has spoken on this on many occasions, and she's written a book called Women of the Word, and um, yes, just a, right just a re re good reminder and encouragement is that um, you're not, you're not just doing the cash, um, the, the, the ATM machine when you read your Bible, right? She, she mm. likens it to, you know, we don't come to it with, I've got five minutes, 
give me something good, but rather that you're making a deposit, you're making an investment long-term. And so there's, you don't need to be guilty or frustrated just because you didn't get something amazing out of your word and out of the word today in some life-changing way that causes you to want to write a book about it. No, make a daily, daily deposit. If today means if it's hard to get further than reading a proverb together as a family, start there, but increase your mm-hmm. appetite because um, we're told that you need solid food. You can't just keep drinking milk, so you need to grow in it. And that means that mm-hmm. eventually you do need to spend time understanding, reading, thinking on the Word of God, but it's, you're sure not going to obey more because of guilt. You're going to be motivated out of love for Him. So... Grow in love and you'll be motivated to read the Word of God. Um, No guilt or Bible reading plan challenge or, you know, reward is going to make that happen for you consistently. It's going to be because you love Him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I would say that prioritizing that that bit of time with the Lord in the morning, whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like, is so worth it and I've learned that in 10 years of mothering Mm -hmm. that my best days have often been those days that start by giving the Lord that first fruits right those first fruits of my time yes there's just a beautiful centering of the spirit that happens right we just uh, I don't know I just it's undeniable Mm -hmm. I have just noticed that repeatedly to be so true such a good motivation to stick with it yes absolutely yes Okay, Ruth, well, this has been such a helpful conversation, and I love um, the fact that you were willing to come today and just speak on the subject of rest and share about your new book, and I know it's just going to be such an encouragement to everyone who reads it. Well, I'm so grateful. Thank you for having me, and I think this topic is so important, and I love that you drew out just all the, ultimately, how important it is that we rest as moms and rest Mm -hmm. in spiritual and emotional and physical ways. I hope this was encouragement to them. I have a fun little question for you if you want to answer this before we say goodbye. If you have four, if you had four hours all to yourself Mm -hmm. and someone had already cleaned your whole house for you, what would you do? Oh my goodness. Well, that sounds absolutely dreamy, girl. Um, You know, one of my favorite things to do if I have time like that is actually to stroll and walk slowly through Um, something like Anthropology or West Elm, like a store that I'm not really going to buy a whole lot in, but just taking the time to like look at um, how artistic the the displays are, sit long and and enjoy um, a coffee table book. And so one of my favorite things to do is actually just to have some time walking a mall by myself because I just don't go anymore. I mean, there was a time when I was younger that Mm. I was kind of pushing a baby through the mall with a friend, but now I don't. I never go to a mall ever. And so if I had some time to myself, I probably would actually turn my phone off, get a green iced tea and just walk and go and touch and feel um, fabrics of different um, clothing items at Anthropology and see their artistic displays and um, go and enjoy Pottery Barn and West Elm and some of these really interesting um, and beautifully set up home stores and, and clothing stores. That's a really fun way for me to spend the afternoon. Of course, meeting up with a friend is also very fun, but I love having a little bit of alone time just to walk slowly. Yeah, that sounds so lovely. 
Well, Ruth, I appreciate having you here so much today. Um, I'm just going to be praying over this release of your book. And I just, yeah, I'm, I'm so encouraged by you. Thank you so much for your ministry online and through your books and everything else that you do. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me today. As a woman who loves to be productive, I struggle with taking time to rest and rest well. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you also have been provided with a lot to reflect on. I'm so grateful for the abundance of wisdom that Ruth brought to this conversation. I really hope it encouraged you and gave you some hope in your own pursuit of soul rest each day. It's not that we deserve it, it's simply that we're told to embrace it, to keep our gaze on the loving God who knows exactly what we need each day. I think it's important to ask ourselves, how seriously should I take this loving command to rest each day, each week, and in all seasons of life? And then, how can I do that well? It will look different, of course, for each of us, but I think it might be good to start by acknowledging what we behold what we value, and where we're placing our gaze. I don't know about you, but I'm really thankful for Ruth's insight regarding the subject of the over-prioritization of our children that can happen because of fear, and also the idolizing of motherhood that we can easily fall into. It caused me to take a deeper look at my own heart and recognize my struggle with both issues. I truly hope this conversation was inspiring and helpful for you, friend. You can find Ruth at Ruth Jo Simons on Instagram, as well as through her website, gracelace.com, where all of her original artwork and paper products are available. You can order Ruth's new book, Beholding and Becoming, The Art of Everyday Worship at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, christianbook.com, and Lifeway. And this info and other resources will be mentioned in the show notes, of course, so check that out. I also just wanted to mention quickly before we go that if you're walking through a difficult season, I know what it's like to feel guilty for not doing everything right and to be overwhelmed by all of the shoulds. But I pray, friend, that you remember the one most important should, which is actually a get-to, to keep your eyes on Jesus moment by moment, day by day, and embrace any opportunity to receive rest in His Word and in any other way that refreshes your heart, mind, and body. Don't forget that even while you're eating leftover peanut butter toast or desperately trying to get that shower in, every moment is one where you can simply rest by placing your gaze in the right direction. Nothing you do goes unnoticed. Mama, you are so very loved. <laughs>